The reason why asking ourselves questions so much is so important is because it helps build our value system. And the stronger our value system is, the less we fear the judgment of others. Successors, welcome back to another edition of Success Fundamentals. I am so excited about our guest today, um, Brendan Kumarasamy. Who is Brendan? Brendan is the founder of Master Talk, where he coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. That is very, very important because I think that uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to communication, especially in business, if you can't communicate what you're trying to do or what you're trying to accomplish, then you pretty much lose your audience and you will never make sales or never grow yourself or or your business. So having Brendan on the show is very, very uh, exciting to de- delve into that topic. Brendan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You too. Great to be on. 100%. Oh, forgot to mention, Brendan also has a fantastic YouTube channel called Master Talk, where he has 17,000 plus describe, uh, subscribers, where he gives you free public public speaking tips. So if you all need to improve yourself um, in terms of public speaking, please reach out. Please subscribe to that channel. So, Brendan, um, today's topic is surrounding perseverance. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, Brendan, how, how old are you? I'm 25 currently. 25. Okay, perfect. So, um, I'm going to pull a Brian Goldsack. Uh, my partner loves to, look <laughs> up, loves to look up the meanings of words and kind of diving into them. So, perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. And, Brendan, you know, you're 25. You have a company called Master Talk, and your goal is to help ambitious executives and entrepreneurs become top 1% communicators in their industry. Now, walk us through what that means. And I'm pretty sure being 25 and having such a bold statement, you probably got a lot of scrutiny coming out. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what allowed you to continue to persevere and now you achieve this success and being that and being exactly that. Yeah, no, it's a great way of starting the conversation, Chris and, and Brian is, yeah, definitely. I, I had a lot of challenges, especially in the early days of the business, a lot less these days, but definitely when I got started, I mean, just to put this in perspective even more, I started mass talk in my mother's basement. I was 22 years old and I started coaching CEOs when I was 22. Right. So imagine that sounds cool on paper, right? Exactly. Brian kind of cued in the, the most common response. Wow. But it wasn't so well because imagine walking in a room where most of the people have worked longer in the company that they work for than you've been alive. Mm. So yes, it's definitely intimidating. And what I always say to people, okay, it goes back to the, the idea of imposter syndrome, right? How do you get over imposter syndrome? And here's an analogy. Like, where, where are you two based, like city-wise? Scranton, New York City. Okay, New York City, awesome. And what's Scranton? Is that New York? Is that a New York state? Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so there you go. I missed that. I already missed the ball on that. So I clearly shouldn't be a tour guide. But anyways, so so let's let's use Chris as an example. Let's let's say I came to New York City. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't know the city that well, and I go, Chris, give me some direction. What should I do here? What should I eat? What should I do? You'll probably tell me. You'll probably say, oh, Brady, you should go check out the Empire State Building. You should go to this restaurant. Oh, don't go to that place. It's a tourist trap. You've got to go here. Right? So you're going to give me advice, right? Absolutely. Makes sense? Right. So in the same way, if you came to Montreal, we're not too far away from each other, probably like an eight-hour drive. If you came to Montreal and you said, hey, Brendan, in the city the first time, don't really know what I should be doing. 
What should I do in the city? I'll probably tell you. Say, hey, Chris. And let's say Brian's tagging along yeah, to bring him into the conversation as well. Appreciate you know, Chris, Brian, you know, <laughs> go go check out the bagel place. Go go to that sightseeing. Don't go there. But why are we giving each other this piece of feedback? You are a t- t- tour guide. Your dad isn't the mayor of New York City. By the way, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to be wrong. But statistically, <laughs> usually, usually is the case. Same thing with me. Why am I telling you what to do in the city? I'm not a tour guide. I haven't studied travel. My dad isn't the mayor of Montreal. So why is it that with certain pieces of information, we're very comfortable sharing it, whereas when it comes to our subject matter expertise, the thing that we actually spend time working towards, we feel that insecurity. Why is there a discrepancy there? And the answer to that question is the understanding of what an expert actually means. Most of us think being an expert is like, oh, you need like a PhD or like a master's degree. Whereas for me, being an expert simply means that you are one chapter ahead of the next person in that skill. So in the same way, mm. you, you two are probably much better podcast hosts than I'll ever be because I'm not trained in that area. But I could probably teach you to something about communication. That's for the key. Sure. And when you embrace that philosophy, it's a lot easier for you to go after your dreams. Mm. Mm. So – as a 22-year-old in your mom's basement, um, starting this business, <laughs> dealing with these CEOs, what was it like in the beginning? What kind of scrutiny were you receiving from your friends and family? Because that entrepreneurial journey is, is a rare journey that very few people embark on. So I'm assuming that everybody was warmly embracing this idea that you had. And, and what allowed you to push through that? Great question, Brian. I'm actually a great example of the anti-entrepreneur. I thought entrepreneurship was for losers, to be quite frank with you, too. Whoa. In this, yeah, I thought it was for losers because my job, my goal was to be a Fortune 500 executive, which is what I ended up doing. Not executive level. I would have been there if I worked there for a few more years. But that's really how the story started with me was when I was 19 years old and I went to business school, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing basketball or like baseball or fighting. Yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. I was I was doing presentations competitively. I'm a but nerd the, too. Oh, there you a, go. A business nerd for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is. I love, there you go. So so we're all we're all from the same family. We're all cut from the same cloth. 100. So so that's what happened, guys. Like I was really good at at communication. But the reason I was working on it wasn't to be a YouTuber, wasn't to be an entrepreneur, far from it, right? It was to get a job at McKinsey and Company, BCG, Bain, Deloitte, IBM, get into one of those consulting firms, be a partner at one of those firms, make half a million dollars a year by the age of 30 and cruise for the rest of my life. I wasn't planning on being this big entrepreneur, but what ended up happening, and I'm still not a big entrepreneur, but what ended up happening (laughs) is I got really good at coaching people on communication because I was coaching the students in the programs to do well at these competitions. That's what led to Master Talk. So yeah, to your point, Brian, when I first posted that video, and I literally posted it right over there because I still live with my mom, and you know, I started making videos, I had so much scrutiny. And I would say the biggest one is from university professors because I would send them the videos because my smart head, which ended up being not smart at all, would say, hey, if I share these videos – with university teachers, they're going to love me to death and then share it with all of their students. And then the whole world would be a better place. Yeah, uh, 30,000 cold emails later that ended up not being the case. So yeah, that's just a good example of scrutiny. 
Same thing with clients. Lots of scrutiny there as well. 100%. So, so what was that thing that, you know, you send out those 30,000 emails, you're expecting it to be warmly embraced by at least a portion of your professors <laughs> that you said, yeah, it, it might have been a flop in that regard, but I, I don't care. I'm still going to keep going. Like, what was the thing in the back of your mind pushing you, pushing you, pushing you? Yeah, I, I would say for me, the biggest thing, Brian, is having a clear vision about what I want in life. Mm. And this is where I find a, a, a big mistake a lot of people make is they play in the present, but they don't think about what their life is going to be. Here's a question I'll ask you too. You don't have to answer it. It's more just a reflection because you're like, oh, what, what's Brenda doing? He's throwing no. the podcast back at us. No, no, no. This is fantastic. Go ahead. Right. So the question is, and I ask this to everybody, if you had all the money in the world, okay, I gave both of you a billion dollars right now in cash uh, after tax. You don't have to worry about the taxes. Either. Like $8. <laughs> yep. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so yeah, definitely post-tax, not pre-tax. How would you spend your time? Okay, not your money. How would you spend your time? Mm. A lot of people, when they when I ask them this question, their immediate response is travel. And I always rebut with, mm. well, what are you going to do? Travel for 20 years and die? Is that it? And they're going to say, uh, uh, and they all start short-circuiting because in their mind, and this is how the culture, right, the culture scape conditions us to believe is work until you're 65, then mm. retire and then enjoy your life. But what if you die at 40, too, like Kobe Bryant? Hmm. What if you die before you're 65, like Steve Jobs, who had the best doctors in the world, operating him, working with him? Then what? So when you start thinking about life in that way, then you get really, really clear about how you want your life to be, what you want your life to be, how you want to stand for. And then once you're clear about that, then you're clear about everything else. Then you can be persistent. So for me, the secret behind my success uh, wasn't I wasn't the smartest person in the room. Maybe I was the most social. Maybe I'll give myself that. But I definitely wasn't the smartest. The differentiator between me and everyone else is I just asked myself more questions than everyone else. Mm. That's the difference. You know what, Brendan, it's funny you asked that question because if, if I'm being honest, I think I will continue to build out. I, mean, I don't know. I, I can't speak for Brian, but I know I would probably continue to build out this platform because one of the mm -hmm. reasons why we did it is because Brian called. He actually has a perfect like phrase for it. It's like it's like it's like a case study on success, but we're doing it through talking to people like you from a mind, body, spirit component, because those are the fundamentals of, of what you need, right? In terms of like, you know, making sure your mind is right, making sure your body is right, making sure your spirit is right, whatever that looks like for you. And just having authentic and real conversations. And I think that uh, we have these questions all the time about, you know, people, well, one, people in general, if you ask them, like, if you want to be successful in life, they would never say, no, I would no, I would not like to be successful. Like, nobody's going to tell you that. So it's like, okay, so from a, from the mind component, what stops people from actually going after it? Now, of course, innately, some people are just going to be lazy, and we're not talking to those people, but those people who want to become successful, what is keeping them from becoming successful, right? And sometimes it starts with the mind and kind of uncovering that and why. Um, so that's actually a great question. If you, if, if, if finance, if finances were, weren't the issue, what would you be doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's, 
and, and like you said, nobody's going to travel for 25 plus years because there's only so many places you, you, you can go. And in a few years, you probably will hit every place that you wanted to go. Right. And then it's like, OK, now I have the, the next 22 years to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. And you want to be of, of value to people for sure. It's making me wonder, too, Brendan. I mean, that question was powerful, but you said you asked yourself more questions than your average person. So what what were some of the other questions that you feel people really do need to ask themselves as they pursue this journey to success? Beautiful question, Brian. You have a knack for this, man. Very good. <laughs> so I actually have a list of hundreds of questions that I ask myself. I'll, I'll name off a couple, and I might actually cheat a little bit so I can look at my cheat notes, see what other questions, because I want to over-deliver on this. So one question I got, I'll, I'll tell you guys the story. I was 20 years old, and I was listening to this podcast I'm sure both of you are very familiar with called The School of Greatness by a guy named Lewis Howes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lewis House is my absolute hero, and I'm probably one of the few people in the world who's actually been following him since episode one. So I've actually listened to most of the most of the episodes. So it's almost as if I was sitting down with the guy every single time that he would sit down with somebody. And I, I sat down once. I was probably 20 and a half or something, 21 years old. And I'm on the bus, and this is the first time he asked this question to guess. It's probably episode 89 or something, whatever. I'm just throwing a number. And he asked him a question called the three truths. So how the three truths works is a question that sounds like this. Let's say, I see Brian. Me, me and Brian, I think, are going to be best friends after this. Well, so we're we'll right this so, <laughs> Right? So, so we're sitting. <laughs> we're sitting there. Chris, too. Chris, too. I love you, too. Don't worry. <laughs> no, uh, so, <laughs> so it is. I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting down with myself. I'm listening to this. And Lewis asks the guest, and he does that every show now. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say it's the last day of your life. You've accomplished everything that you want out of life. Everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got the New York Times bestseller list. This is the number one podcast in the world. Joe Rogan is like, hey, can I be on the show? Like, you you got everything. Everything's going on for you. <laughs> got all the money in the world. You got a big mansion. You got all this podcast. And, but it's your last day. You've lived an amazing life. And for some reason, okay, we don't know why, everything that you did in the world gets erased. So like all the podcasts you guested on, all the books that you mm. wrote, all the conversations. For some we don't really know why, but mm. everything gets raced. So unfortunately, we have nothing to remember you by, which is sucks because you had such an amazing life. But there's a good part to the story. There's actually a piece of paper next to you before you go, before you leave us mm. for a better place. And on that piece of paper, you can write down three lessons that you believe to be true about the world that we can keep as lessons on how you lived your life. And that's the only three lessons that we get to have. What would your three truths be? That's a great question that Lewis asks. But here's the punchline I really want to drive since we're on this discussion. I love how deep this podcast is going. There's three types of people who are listening to the show right now. The first type of person is listening to that question. Mm-hmm. And is going to forget about that question. Okay, that's number one. That's probably the vast majority of people. Let's say 85, 90% of people. I'm just throwing a number out there. The second type of person will write down the question on their notes, let's say on a phone or on a notepad, and just leave the question there. Mm-hmm. And then less than 1%, I would even argue 1 in 200, 1 in 500, 1 in even 1,000, I'd even go as far as to say that, will write the question down and sit down with themselves and try and ask the question to themselves. 
So what happened when I was 21 is I kept listening to the question. But after the 30th time, I sat myself down and I said, if Lewis was interviewing me, what would my three truths be? And that's what started my journey to self-reflection, how I matured so quickly as a business owner, as a YouTuber, whatever you want to call me, as a human mm-hmm. being. And I encourage other people to do the same. Don't just write down three truths. Answer it for yourself. If Lewis was asking you the question, what would your answers be? Hmm. The three truths. I mean, I, I got to ask. You know what? I gotta, I'm sorry. I, I've been hogging this up, Chris. I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm just dying. No, to it's know. all good. What did you write down? What were your three truths? What is it? Yeah, yeah, they've changed. Uh, yeah, they've changed over the years, and, and I'm excited to share them with Lewis someday. Because one of my goals is to be on a show from 30. But uh, I would say that the three truths that I'll share with you guys, and this will change, is number one. Uh, and this is actually another side. I'll give I'll give you the bonus tease, Brian. <laughs> the bonus on top of this is actually a fourth person. That's like one in ten thousand. Okay, and I'm just throwing numbers out. And the one in ten thousand, the challenge I have for that person, I hope you take on that challenge, Brian, is. Make sure your three truths are three truths that no other human being has ever said on this podcast. Oh that's the real challenge, right? Yeah. That's where I pushed my brain to go. And that's why, by the way, guys, why my thought leadership on Maastricht is so unique, right? There's mm-hmm. no one else is doing what I'm doing because I pushed my brain to that level in the same way Seth Godin does. Can you name any other marketer like Seth Godin on the planet? Okay. Not one. The guy wears a purple tie. The like, purple cow, yeah. His he has, he has a book called The Purple Cow. The, the Purple Cow, yeah. That's the secret. If you want to be that unique, that's how far you need to go. So so that's that's the also frame I wanted to add there is don't just – if you want to take this to another level because we're going there is start with the three truths. Make it easy on yourself and then keep rethinking the question until you find three that blows Lewis's mind. So here are my oh. three. Mm. Number one is never say wow, always ask how. Okay. Never say wow, always ask how. Here's my problem with most people. They're too much of a fan. They're not enough of a model. Okay. So let's say when you see someone you admire, you go, oh my God, oh my God, this person is so great. Right. But they don't spend enough time understanding the process of their success. Kobe Bryant's probably a great example. So when I do this in live workshop settings or on a clubhouse room or something, I ask people to raise their hand if they know who Kobe Bryant is. So obviously everyone raises their hand. 100%. And Right. And then I go, who knows what Kobe Bryant's kill list is? Nobody raises their hand except for me. Oh, I think I can name a few people on there. Right. Oh, do you know what that is? Yeah, his kill list is what he made in high school, right? Of the people he wanted to take down. You are the first human being I've met in my life, Chris, who has answered that question correctly. <laughs> yes, sir. You're yeah, absolutely I'm correct. Nice. I, am a, I, I am a student of greatness, brother. Exactly. And you're clearly living it, man. No wonder this, this is such a great conversation. It makes perfect sense. So you two live, live by this. But, but that's the point. Most people wouldn't know what that is. And that's the difference between being a fan of Kobe's and really understanding who Kobe is as a human being. And the reason that discrepancy is so important is because it really allows us to follow the process of success. So going back to my three truths to Brian's question, always ask uh, sorry, never say wow, always ask how simply means this. Make, uh, make a list of the top three people you admire the most in your life and pretend they were already your friends asking you for feedback. What feedback would you give them? So I already have feedback on my phone just so people really understand how crazy I am. Mm. I already have feedback and questions and insights that I know Lewis will appreciate. I, well, I, I had a call with him a few months ago, so I was able to bring those things up. Gary Vaynerchuk, I already know what questions I want to ask him that no one else has ever asked him. 
he's Seth Godin. I already know what I want to ask him, what value I want to deliver for him. But because I'm already thinking like that, my brain gets rewired really quickly into thinking that they're colleagues, not not uh, people I just admire. So because of that, my standards go up. Whereas if you just remain somebody's fan, you'll never get to their level of success. Right? And that's number one. So I got two more, but that's number one. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, never Good. say how. Yeah, never say wow, always ask how. Truth number two, the easiest way to solve the world's problems is to do just that. Focus on the easiest ones first. And this applies to people who especially don't have a passion in life. They're like, I don't really know what I want to do in life. I don't really know what I want to do in life. Okay. And this also applies to people who are too emotionally driven with how to solve problems. Okay, this is happening. Let's focus on this. And then after we half-ass this problem, let's go somewhere else and go half-ass that. Whereas for me, I believe that the key to life is that every human being should spend their life focusing on two problems. That's it. One that they're uniquely positioned to solve, that if they ask themselves enough questions, will eventually figure out over the course of their life. And guilty as charged, I got lucky. I found my gift very early in life. I found it at 19, right? Not everyone will have that luxury. Sarah Blakely is a good example of this, right? 100%. The CEO of Spanx. She yeah. found it in her early 30s. Mark Benioff figured out Salesforce only after he worked as an executive at Oracle for a very long time. Everyone's got their destiny. Everyone's got their piece. But the second problem I believe we should all be solving is what I call the world's easiest problem. So many of us ask us what problem are we passionate to solve, and not many people ask what is the world's easiest problem to solve. Because what's great about that question is there's no argument. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, man, woman, goat. You could be a monkey. We're all going to have the same answer. Okay, well, what does the world's easiest problem mean? Well, it implies that it's already been solved for 90 to 95% of the population, and there's only 5% of them that hasn't been solved for. So let's focus on that. And for me, the answer to that question is the water crisis. That's why my goal in life is to solve public speaking for humanity and help Scott Harrison, the founder of Charity Water, get clean drinking water for every human being on earth. So that's truth number two. The easiest way to solve the world's problems is to focus on the easiest ones first. Simple as that. Truth number three, right? So we went through the first one. Never say wow, always ask how. The second truth is the easiest way to solve the world's problems is to focus on the easiest ones first. And the third one is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to do something crazy with your life, you want to do something impactful, meaningful, which is everyone on this call. Because if you're listening to this episode, it means you like going deep or else uh, you want to be listening to Chris and Brian's amazing questions. So what does that actually mean? Don't you guys find it odd that as a 22-year-old kid, I started a YouTube channel in my mother's basement, not on pranks, not on music, yeah. not on skits. I started on public speaking and communication, and then I went to coach CEOs at that very age on how to speak, and I have a bunch of C-level clients. C-level is like uh, people who are like CEOs and stuff, people who are listening. But at the same time, I still live in my mother's basement. I still own a used car, even if my business does really well now. I love Justin Bieber. I dance in my basement an hour a day, and I can karaoke in eight different languages, even if I can speak three. How does any of this make any sense? And that, my friends, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decision. So be insane or be the same.
Man, I look, man. Okay, so <laughs> so so successors. Brendan is dropping absolute gems today. Uh, I'm talking about a lot of things that allows you to think different. So, Brendan, I want I, I want to. Okay, so I want to speak to you about the successors who, let's just say, they're emotional about what they're trying to solve, and being perseverant is uh, is going to be a part of the journey because you could be because what happens when you start on a new journey you're so overly optimistic that anything a negative comment could literally throw you off your entire journey right so my question to you brendan somebody who found their calling so early even in the face of criticism and like what is this 22 year old kid going to teach me i've been i've been the ceo of this company for 25 years he's only been alive for 22 Right. What does he know? How how would you coach somebody or teach somebody on this call? Well, on the on this on this show who's listening to say, how do I know that my passion or what I'm trying to do is for real? Because if it's as fickle as somebody saying, oh, you're not going to be successful, you know, like, yep, they're right. And then they're going to continue working at the same job for the next 26 years. So how do people know? deep down that is for real that regardless of what somebody says i believe in this i'm going to keep going very good you too so what i would say is the reason why asking ourselves questions so much is so important is because it helps build our value system and the stronger our value system is the less we fear the judgment of others. I'll give you an easy example to demonstrate. Let's say you take our, our main man, Gary Vayner, Vaynerchuk, right? Mm. You know what I appreciate the most about Vaynerchuk is how little he worries about how other people think. But what he doesn't do a great job of, which I hope to do right now, is explain why that is. Because he doesn't explain it that well. So when he was like 10, 15 years old and realized that entrepreneurship was really for him and that school wasn't, he just started asking himself this question. Why, why is it that I can make $5,000 on a weekend selling baseball cards, which he did at like 11 or 13 years old? Why is that not being celebrated? And, and what's being celebrated or rather chastised is my, is my D in, in school. So even if he doesn't say it as often, he follows the same framework where he just asked himself a bunch of questions. To, to help him figure out, get the self-awareness of the human being. And I think he's one of the most self-aware human beings in the world, probably, to, to a point where he's able to navigate and be comfortable in his own skin, regardless of what everyone else is saying. That's the first thing I would say, is ask yourself more questions so that you have a better value set, so that you're more confident in the decisions you make. That's one piece. The other piece I would say that's much easier for people to implement, though, is just start with the person you're comfortable serving. I didn't start with CEOs. I know it sounds impressive when I say that, but the truth is, is I started with people who are younger than me. I, and I still coach kids to this day. Coach people who are younger than you, like people that you're comfortable with serving. Then coach people your own age. Then coach people a bit older than you. Then coach developers and then work your way up. And then I worked my way up into the C-suite. But it's just the, the way it sounds like on a podcast, it sounds like I just went straight to CEO. No, it's just I started coaching when I was 19. And over three years, I built up my expertise because I started really young. And then I got to a point where I was more than capable to coach CEOs at 22. The third mm -hmm. piece I would say is show, don't tell. Don't mm -hmm. tell people what you do, show it. So why do the CEOs trust me? Like my oldest client today, I believe is 57, 57, 59, something like that. So why do they trust me with their, my transformation? 
uh, their transformation, excuse me. The reason is because they know they're not buying BS. They've already seen me at work. So you, you always want to ask yourself as a business owner, someone who has a product or service, what sample can I deliver to the marketplace that clearly demonstrates our value? So for me, it's my free trainings. I do a free training every two weeks. That's like no sales, nothing. I just coach people on the call. CEOs, people from around the world come to that call and they go, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, this person clearly knows what they're talking about. And those people I, I get to buy into to my, my products or service. Last thing I'll say on this, you don't need a million people to make your ideas work. I think that's a big misconception. 100%. You need 100. That's it. Is it an arbitrary number or is there a reason that 100 is the suggestion? Great question, yeah. I, I love that you guys have always forced me to add more context, which is great. So, because I, I usually just stick to simplicity and then people, people don't, just don't ask me more depth, so I just go, okay, next thing. Because part of my fear always on podcasts is like, crap, I'm like talking a lot. There's like two guys here and I got to make sure I don't monologue too much. All right. No, yeah. no, you're good. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. What does the 100 mean? So the, the number is going to be in the context of your industry. So let's say you take coaching, my business. Okay, my, my packages are not $200, right? They're in the thousands of dollars. So if I got 100 people who believe in me every year, I make multiple six figures, right? And all of that is net profit because uh, there's, no, there's no expense in my business. No overhead, yeah. Yeah, there's no overhead. Right, so every business is different, guys. But I think the, the same principle rests, which is you need a small group of people who absolutely love you versus a big group of people who sort of know you. So for me, and this is something nobody does, which is like boggles my mind. It's simple, but it's super effective, which is, are you tripling down on the people that already believe in you? So many of us are just trying to get validation from everybody. Oh, I really hope Chris likes me. I really hope Brian likes me. And I know you guys like me, so it's cool. But I'm not, I'm not trying to go like, oh, you know, I can only be successful if I get on Joe Rogan's podcast. Like what? Like that's such an unfair expectation for yourself. Instead, what you should do is go straight to your Rolodex, whether that Rolodex is five people or 5,000, and go, how can I figure out who's going to believe in me or not? So that's what I did. I messaged the 1,500, 2,000 contacts I had when I first started my YouTube channel, and 20 of those people were like, really invested into me. Not to say the other 2,000 weren't, just different levels of investment. So those 20 people were like, look, I want to help you succeed. Let's go through your YouTube channel. Let's figure it out. And then I, I built on it and they kept giving me ideas. And then it turned to a coaching business, yada, yada. But man, the shit I've done for those 20 people, a lot more than the other 2,000. So now because I've won, those 20 people were really taken care of, right? So that's the key is focus on the people that already bought into you and have them introduce you to other people that know they'll buy into you. That's how you should spend your time. Think about this. For every podcast I'm on where I know these two people already bought into me, these people have taken the time to watch my YouTube videos. They know I'm competent. There's another nine that don't. There's another nine that go, well, this is a kid. What's this guy going to teach about communication? But if you focus on that 90%, you're not going to move the ball. But if you triple down on these two guys, you go, you treat this like a Joe Rogan podcast. You show up really strong for the people who want to show up for you. You'll win by a landslide. Hmm. Sound familiar, Chris? We're having Sounds a conversation good. about this today. <laughs> about our <laughs> business. 100%. Clone, clone the, the, the top clients. Clone them. 100%. I love that. I love that idea. You have to. 
I mean, and, and, and success is he's 100 percent right, because, again, we're, we're living in this age where million, if you don't have a minimum of a million followers, you feel like you're irrelevant to the world. Right. But that's so not true, because 90 percent of those million people could be your haters. Right. They, they just want to follow you just to have a mean comment or try to, you know, discourage you from your own journey. Right. Like if you if you have a community that's already bought into you, that literally lives for your content on, on a day or whatever you're doing. It's, Tyler Perry says this, super serve your niche. Super mm. serve your niche because that's those that's going to be your biggest marketing team and that's going to be your biggest uh <clears throat> your biggest driver of new business. Because if they feel like they're being taken care of, if they're feeling like that like you actually care about them as human beings, forget your business. They like as a human, they yeah, they feel human when they talk to you. Even though it's about business, they still feel human. They they will sing your praises without you even knowing it. Next thing you know, you have an influx of business that you don't even know where it was coming from. But that's because you super serve your your niche. So people listen to Brendan. He knows mm-hmm. what he is talking about, right? These are gems that he is dropping for you. And uh, I was again forever thankful that he actually took time out of his busy day, out of uh, out of his master talk, a <laughs> uh, <laughs> role to come on and talk to us. So um. Chris, we so, gotta ask him. We gotta ask him those two questions because we only got him for ten minutes. Oh, that's right. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead and drop those bombs. All right. So get ready, Brandon. Get ready. So <laughs> every episode of Success Fundamentals, we ask our guests the same two questions. We leave these questions intentionally vague in order to inspire thought. So the first question is, what is your overall perception of money? The second question is, what are your views on power? Mm, fascinating questions. So let's start with money. What do I think about money? Money, and I'm sure many people have said this before on the podcast, is an amplifier of who you already are. Mm-hmm. So if you're a terrible person and you make a lot of money, well, you're going to do terrible things with that money. And if you're a very good person and you make a lot of money, you're going to help a lot of people. You're going to do really good by that money. You're going to make a lot of change. And that's what I think about money. It's all about amplifying the person you already are. And what I would also encourage people to start thinking about is to look at the end state. If you had a billion dollars, what would you spend it on? What would you do? Because I always think that's that's really the secret, is once we start to understand the long-term money goals, what we actually need out of life, it's a lot easier to stress less today. So let's say in my case, you know, I just went through the whole, you know, the whole spiel, like private jet. So I need to get this Bugatti. I need to get this uh, Maserati and uh, spaghetti and all this stuff. <laughs> and then I looked at my life and then I kind of just said, do I really need these things? Does it really matter? Or is it because somebody else tells me I should value these things? So I started questioning. I, there's this funny episode on Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo, on the wedding complex. So he made a joke about how the average wedding is $50,000, let's say, in New York City. Yet you could have used that for like literally everyone's sitting across the table on a table. You get like really crappy chicken. You dance <laughs> and then you leave. Whereas Seth was like, why don't we just use that 50000 and like go on like a crazy trip? Like 50 people, like $2,000 each, like 25 people would go some, do some crazy shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like that, that's a much better spend of the 50. So anyways, uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I think the point is, is we need to figure out what money means for us. Like for me, money means minimal living expenses, kind of like Gary Vee, me and him resonate in the same way. And everything else is just upside. That's why I love staying with my mom. 
right? I love having a lot more money in my bank account, so I have a lot more leverage, right? So I can do great things. I can put more money. Like I spent a lot of money, a lot of pretty penny. People would be shocked on my YouTube channel production, right? Because that the impact, that's what matters. And also being thoughtful about how you want to spend that money. Mm. So that's uh, that's the point on, on like money. Now the hard one. Now the hard one. I, you know, it's funny. I, I kind of have a similar answer for power in the sense of it, it also amplifies who you already are. In the sense of if you're a good person, you have a lot of influence and power, you can use that for very good things. I'll, I'll do a personal example. I'll tell you the playbook. My playbook is super simple. Become one of the top communication coaches that ever lived and use that influence to solve the water crisis. That's why I talk about Scott Harrison every single episode I'm on, on a podcast, so people know who that person is, right? That's my game, Smart. right? So, so I'm using my, my power. I think power is a strong word. I'm using my influence. I don't think I have any power. <laughs> but influence to help other people gain awareness of the problems I want to solve, right? So I think going back to money, intentionality is everything, guys, in the context of money, in the context of power. So just be very intentional. How do you want to use that power? Another funny side note that I don't think I've ever sent a podcast. I just thought of it when I heard the question. My favorite show of all time that I encourage you two to check out is a show called Death Note. Okay, yeah. Not a lot of people know about this in the Western community. And Death Isn't Note... Uh, an anime? It is. It is an anime. Yes. And, and the story of Death Note in a nutshell, and watch the actual anime, not the stupid movie on Netflix, but the base, <laughs> and, and that we could all have a whole... But anyways... The reason I say that is because the main character, like Yagami, is like one of the smartest guys in Japan. Best student, really handsome. All the girls love him. He's like top of his class, but he's bored out of life. He's bored mm. out of life. And one day, a notebook falls out of the sky, and he sees it falls out, fall out of the sky. And he goes out, picks it up out of curiosity, out of novelty, because he needs a little excitement in his life. He opens the first page, and at the top of the page, it reads... Whoever's name you write in the death note shall die. So he thinks it's a stupid thing. He thinks it's a joke. And he tries it. And of course, it ends up being real. And at the end of the episode, episode one, he goes on a mission to be a god of that world and kill every single bad person in the world. And it's a fascinating tale about how one uses power to execute their own vision of the world. So when I first read, watched that show when I was 12, I asked myself, if I had the same power, not the same exact power, but if I had more influence in my life, how would I use it? So yeah, be thoughtful about that. And I think you'll do great things in life. Hmm. I'm almost about to ask, who would you kill? But that's probably not something. No, that's probably yeah. not the yeah, that's not the, not the time. Maybe off camera. No, I'm kidding. There's nobody. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. 100%. So, Brendan, before we let you go, you have to tell these fantastic people where, where, they, can, where they can find you, talk about your business, and talk about your, your YouTube channel. Absolutely, guys. So, but first of all, this conversation is excellent. You two are, are really, really amazing interviewers. So, it's such an honor and a pleasure to, to be with you. And I'm happy to do a part two. You two are amazing. I'm happy to. Appreciate if you it. ever want a part two, just let me know. I'm happy to make it. 100%. And, and, and in terms of uh, how to reach me, so there's two ways. The first one is definitely the YouTube channel. Just type Master Talk in one word. All my content's there available for free. And if you want coaching, I would encourage you to attend one of my free trainings. It's interactive, it's not a webinar. And all you have to do to access that is go to rockstarcommunicator.com and you can register for my next free training. 
Love awesome. it. Love it. Successes. We would, of course, you don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to have all his information in the show notes when this show comes out so that you can do that and experience the amazing uh, coach that Brendan is. Um, as a summary, perseverance is, is a part of the journey, um, but make sure that you're ready for that journey. Brendan dropped a lot of gems yes. on how you can um, become successes in your own life. He's talked about his three truths. Um, which are be insane or, or be the same. Um, if you want to solve the world's problems, focus on the easiest problem first to solve first. And uh, ne- never say wow, always ask how. Meaning study, if you look up to your people, uh, the, look up to the most influential people that you look up to and study them and understand how they got to where they are as opposed to just being fans of these of these people. Mm-hmm. Um Brandon, again, this has been an amazing conversation. Yes, it has. I cannot wait for this to come out. Brian, take us home, my friend. This concludes another episode, guys. Thank you so much, Brendan, for joining us today. We will see you all next time. This concludes another episode of Success Fundamentals. We hope you found today's discussion useful to your life in some way. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook.